This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Before we jump into this morning's message, I want to remind you we're just two weeks away from launching three Sunday morning services at Christian Chapel. That starts on Sunday, September 10th. Those are at 8.30, uh, 9.45, and 11.15. So it's an opportunity for us to create more space for more people to experience wholeness in Jesus. Um, and, and so everybody's moving service times. If you show up at 9.15 or 10.45 the first week, you'll just get a little bit of two services. But it'll be fine. We'll sort it out. That 8.30 service, we're serving breakfast each week. That'll be available at 8 a.m., which if you're coming at 8.30, you've already been up for seven hours anyway. So you might as well come 30 minutes early earlier, grab a homemade breakfast and some coffee and spend some time hanging out, enjoying time together. Uh, 9.45, coffee, high fives, and handshakes are waiting for you every Sunday. And then 11.15, if you are in that uh, college young adult, we're going to feed you lunch every Sunday after that 11.15 service. So we're looking forward to getting started in that. Um, So many opportunities to join a team and be a part as we move to three services. We hope you'll take advantage of that, like Pastor Amy talked with us about a little bit earlier. Today, we're continuing our way through the book of Acts. We've been working our way through Acts story by story throughout this year, exploring how it tells us all about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the church. And as we've worked our way through Acts, kind of our our guiding principle has been that the story of Acts is not just descriptive of something that happened a long time ago, it's prescriptive for what should still be happening in our lives today. And like any prescription you've ever received from a healthcare professional, it only works if you use it. So you have to put it into practice, apply it. Today we're going to see that in Acts chapter 9 and talk about what we do when God gives us inconvenient assignments. Back to school season um, seems like a good time to talk about inconvenient assignments. I don't, I don't know about your experience at school, but I felt like my whole school career was one of inconvenient assignment after inconvenient assignment. You know, I had teachers who had the audacity to think I came to school to learn. I don't know what their problem was. I was clearly there to hang out with my friends until basketball practice. And, uh, but they, they just insisted on assignments, and it was rarely convenient. They never asked me if there was a game that I wanted to watch that night before they made an assignment. Uh, they never considered if I would prefer to sleep in in the morning rather than get up early to do the homework I hadn't done the night before. They just gave them over and over again. And now, as a parent, um, I'm reliving inconvenient assignments all over again. Now, my kids are at the age where I really can't help them with their homework anymore. Uh, my son came home with some uh, pre-AP calculus the other day and was like, I don't understand it. And I was like, <laughs> good luck. Uh, hope you pass. Ask your mom. I'll pray for you. Um, you know, just like you've reached that. But some of you, I know that the inconvenient assignment is not just what your kid does. It's, it's that you're having to relearn fifth grade math all over again right? Or that, uh, that, that you, I don't, I don't know, maybe you've helped your kid write a paper before and it's been returned with a bad grade and you're like, I, I know I can write a paper. I don't know why they gave me, I mean him, such a low grade on that, right? It's, it's really inconvenient when they don't recognize the work of a, you know, a 39-year-old man helping his sophomore through English. But, uh, but, but whatever it is, we, we get that, we understand it. Today, though, what we're going to see in Acts chapter 9 is that when we follow Jesus, there are going to be repeated opportunities for us 
to embrace inconvenient assignments to be part of what God is doing in the world. And so where we're picking up the story of Acts today is on the the heels of Saul's conversion. So last Sunday we talked about how God shows up to everyone, everywhere, to draw them into a relationship with him. But what we're going to see today is, is nobody becomes a Christian on their own. God always calls other people into the process of discipleship with us and for us, and then he also always calls us to be part of that process for someone else. And when he does, it is rarely convenient. So if you have a Bible, we'll be in Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 19 this morning. It says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. And so when when we think about inconvenient assignments, one of the things that it forces us to consider is often the difference between God's plans and our plans. Now, Ananias' story begins in a way that many of us would probably enjoy our story to begin every day. Ananias has a vision where the Lord calls him by name and then tells him exactly where to go. And and as we've discussed through the book of Acts, we see this over and over and over again. God speaks to his people personally and powerfully in very direct ways with very direct assignments. Now, the beauty of direct assignments from God is you don't have to wonder if you're wasting your time, your energy, or your day. When you have a vision and the Lord calls you by name and he tells you where to go, you're pretty confident of where you're going to go that day. And and, and for many of us, that's a desire we have of, I I want that. I want to hear the Lord call my name. I want him to clearly reveal where I'm supposed to go. And, And yet for many of us, there is an undercurrent to that desire. That undercurrent is dangerous and that undercurrent can lead to all kinds of trouble for us because the undercurrent is, I want to follow God's plan as long as it conveniently fits with my plan. I want the Lord to direct me, as long as he lives me some some freedom to edit his plan. I want the Lord to show me where to go, as long as it doesn't interfere with where I've already planned to be. I want the Lord to inspire me to make generous gifts, as long as he keeps my retirement planning in mind. I want the Lord to show me people I can reach out to and be part of his kingdom in their life as long as they're the type of people that I like and I enjoy talking to. I want the Lord to show me where I can invest my time and my energy and my talent as long as he understands when the chiefs kick off each week. 
Right? I want the Lord to tell me and show me what to do and where to invest energy and all of these things. As long as it's not too disruptive, it's not too inconvenient. And in that, that setting, what we really have to recognize is when we say we want to follow the Lord and we want him to make it convenient, convenience is often just a, a code word for control. I want God to direct my life as long as he lets me maintain control. As long as I retain veto power. Or, or maybe in your life, convenience is a code word for laziness. Of I want the Lord to direct my life as long as it's easy, as long as I don't sweat and I never lose sleep and I'm never made uncomfortable. And yet what we see again and again in the book of Acts, what we see throughout church history, if you follow Jesus very long, what you've experienced in your life is that he often shows up with inconvenient assignments. And the reason the Lord does that is not to torment us, it's not to mess with us, but it's because our natural bent and inclination is towards convenience and control and laziness. And so as the Lord is revealing his path and his purpose and the investments we're to make in the world around us, it will often feel as if he has interrupted us at just the wrong time to do the thing we really don't want to do. And for Ananias, this is absolutely the case. He, he's awakened with this vision. He's called by name. It sounds exciting until he gets into the details of it. In verse 11, the Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Now, for, for you and I, there, there may be times that we're called to an inconvenient assignment. What I want you to understand this morning is for Ananias, it wasn't just that he had to get up from where he was and go to somewhere else. It was who he had to go see that was so inconvenient. Ananias' objection is not just that, Lord, this disrupts my plan, it's, Lord, this might end my life. Saul was known. Saul had a reputation. We explored it in depth last week where he has persecuted the church. He has participated in the execution of Christians. He has kicked down the doors of homes and dragged men and women to prison. He has begun a reign of terror in Jerusalem, and now it is spreading to Ananias' hometown of Damascus. And when this terror has shown up in his city, Ananias' second interaction, his first interaction is he's heard that Saul's coming and he knows what he's done. And his second interaction is the Lord speaking to him in a vision and saying, you need to go to Saul. And, and I think this is where for, for some of us, sometimes we read the scriptures too quickly and we don't understand exactly what is being asked of people. And so you can read Ananias' reaction and think that's kind of weak that he just immediately, like he had a vision from the Lord who told him exactly what to do. And his first response was, God, do you know? What you're asking me to do, do you know who you're asking me to go to? And yet God reveals to him, you have to go because Saul has already had a vision of a man named Ananias who's going to come and pray for him and he's going to receive his sight. And so what, what we're learning is what we sometimes call inconvenient assignments, God has already set up to be divine appointments. Ananias' obedience was not just the fulfillment of the vision God had given him. Ananias' obedience was the fulfillment of the vision that God had given to Saul. 
Saul wasn't waiting for some man named Bob to show up and knock on the door to his house. God had given him a very specific vision. A man named Ananias will come pray for you and you will receive your sight. And so Saul is praying and he's waiting and he's expecting. And Ananias objects and says, Lord, I I don't know that I want to do that. And it's as if God responds to him, well, it's too bad because I already started the story. Saul's already waiting for you. In fact, right now, as you're arguing with me, he's in that house and he's praying and he's waiting for you. And it's it's a reminder to us as well. When God gives you what you think is an inconvenient assignment, it is often a divine appointment. And there are already people waiting on the other end for your obedience. They are waiting for the words that you're going to speak. They are waiting for the friendship that you're going to offer. They are waiting for the prayer that you are going to pray. And so that should fill you with a holy confidence because it means this inconvenient assignment is not something you're just going to walk to, show up, and try to figure it out yourself. But you're going to walk into a place that has already been prepared for you. God calls us into spaces where he is already working. You are never going to encounter a person that you will speak to about Jesus for the first time that the Holy Spirit has not already prepared their heart and mind. I mean, you will not find yourself in a situation where you are the first mover in the environment. The Holy Spirit has already been there. He has already been active. He has already been planting questions and doubts and working through the fears and anxieties of life to prepare the hearts of men and women and teenagers and children to hear the good news that God is for them, that God is with them, that Jesus has a plan for them, that the power of the Holy Spirit is something they can access and live in. And so for us, the the opportunity to resist and turn away must be rejected because there's already somebody waiting on your obedience. And that should not feel like a religious burden being placed on you. It should feel like a holy invitation to do something significant with your life. Right? And, and for most of us, if we were guaranteed outcomes, we would take much bigger risks of faith. If we knew, if I speak up with that coworker, they're going to say yes to Jesus. It's going to transform their marriage. It's going to change the generations of their children and their grandchildren. And 75 years from now, they're going to tell the story of when their grandma gave her life to the Lord in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and how it changed everything. If we knew the end, we would take the beginning step. But what we're learning from Ananias is God's already working over there, so just jump right in. And you might be privileged to be the one who sees the scales fall from their eyes, to see them step up and walk into their calling. Or you might just be another person planting seeds or watering along the way. But at the right time, in the right place, the kingdom of God is going to take root in their hearts. It's going to grow. It's going to flourish. And it's our job to accept the assignment, no matter how inconvenient it might be. And so Ananias, he offers his objections to the Lord of, well, Lord, just here's why I can't. And I love, like, God gives him a longer response. But initially, God just responds like a father. Ananias says, these are all the reasons I can't go. And it says, then the Lord said to Ananias, go, with an exclamation point. And it's a reminder to us, when God speaks, we might want to object, we might want to discuss, but really we just obey. What God wants from us is the same thing that every parent wants from their children, of will you just do what I said 
Can you just do it? And, and even better, could you do it quickly? Like, and I know there's this myth of first-time obedience with parents. It's a wonderful promise, right? Like, it's a great hope. And before you have kids, you're sure that it will be your experience. And then you have children, and you recognize you have many versions of yourself. And you never obeyed anything the first time in your entire life. You always had a question. You always had an objection. You always had a point of order. You always had that little index finger in the air. Just have you thought about, have you considered, but I think, but maybe we could. And we carry that into our relationship with God. And he comes and he says, I want you to do this, whatever it might be. And so for Ananias, it's, I want you to go to Saul. And Ananias kind of, but Lord, do you know? Do you know just in case, I think, I think you might be unaware of who Saul is. Saul's the guy from Jerusalem. Did you know that? Saul's the guy that was there when they stoned Stephen. Were you aware of that? Saul has orders from the high priest that he can come and arrest Christians and throw us in prison. I just want to make sure you have all of the facts before you really ask me to do this. And, and we do the same thing at times. But what we must remember is that God already knows everything about us when he gives us an assignment. And yet, yet we still have that temptation to respond like Ananias. If God says, I want you to invest your time, I want you to invest your energy, I want you to invest your resources, and we say, but Lord, do you just want to make sure, do you know the season of life that I'm in right now? I just, do, you're aware that I have young children, right? God, I, I, know, I know you said that I should do this, but, but do you know how busy I am at work? Lord, I know that you've called me into the space, but I just want to remind you, I didn't grow up in a home where people taught me about Jesus, so I don't really feel qualified to do some of those things. When God calls you to do something in his kingdom, he calls you with full awareness of exactly who you are, exactly what skills you have and do not have, every insecurity in your heart, every item on your calendar, everything in your budget. There's not a little ounce of anything that catches him off guard or by surprise. And, and just for a minute, stop and consider the arrogance of saying, like, to the creator of everything, have you considered? Do you remember? I would just like to mention. It's just, it's completely ignorant, and yet we, we do it. I do it, you do it. It is, it is so, so easy to come up with a hundred excuses why we shouldn't do the one thing that God has called us to do. Right, we can do it over and over and over again, and for some of us, it's like a hundred. That, that's an easy number. You might be able to come up with two or three hundred excuses why you can't do the one thing that God has called you to do. And yet when he speaks and when he calls, if it, if it feels inconvenient. Now, not everything God calls you to do is going to feel inconvenient. There are going to be times when God speaks and, and you just can't help but run and jump into it because it's so exciting, so life-giving. You just can't wait to do it. But oftentimes it will. And in that space, there's going to be a temptation for you to resist. But, but what we want to understand this morning is every inconvenient assignment can be a divine appointment. And we, Pastor Amy mentioned earlier, we've got these join a team cards that are, that are in, your, in your seats and all around you. And, and honestly, if we were really bad at branding, join a team would say, be inconvenienced, right? Just 
hey, who would like, like Amy could have given you a little five minute, who would like to be inconvenienced today? Who would like to add one more thing onto their schedule? Who would like, in addition to your own children, who'd like to be responsible for some other children around here? In addition to your two preschoolers, would you like a classroom of 15 to 20 of them? In addition to your teenager who rolls their eyes at you, would you like some other teenagers to roll their eyes at you also? In addition to cleaning your house just for your family, would you like to clean it to welcome others in? I mean, there's almost everything on there is an inconvenient assignment. Preschool ministry, even for people who love preschoolers, is an inconvenient assignment at Christian Chapel. You've got to come early. You've got to prepare. You've got to be in a room. Many times for families, it means you're driving two cars to church because mom and dad or mom or dad might be coming early to serve in the first service and they worship with their family in the second service. It's not easy. Being a home group leader is an inconvenient assignment. You've got to like for real clean your house before people come over. Right? Not just that little light dusting where you know they're just going to join you in this one area, but you've got to clean all the toilets. You've got to clean and vacuum all the floors. You've got to do all the things. You've got to make a meal. And sometimes you made the meal for 25 and then seven people canceled at five o'clock and you've got this extra food. Or worse, you prepared for 15 and then 10 more showed up. And now you're wondering, is this a loaves and fishes kind of moment? It's an inconvenient assignment to be a home group leader. It's an inconvenient assignment to be a musician at Christian Chapel, and it's getting more inconvenient by the week for them. It's inconvenient now. They show up at 7.30 on Sunday mornings. They're here till 12.30, and in response to that, we said, how about if we add another service? How about if we add another opportunity? And so it's a longer day. It's a longer commitment. It's an inconvenient assignment to be a chapel youth leader because you're making a commitment. I'm going to be there every Wednesday night. I'm going to be the presence in a life of a kid's some of whom are going to be drawn to me, some of whom are going to give me the side eye for an entire semester before they will let me into that space. It's an inconvenient assignment when God tells you to go to Royal Family Kids Camp because you're going to give up a week of your summer. You're going to spend time with children in foster care from all kinds of backgrounds who don't care one thing about how successful you've been in life. right? And they are going to call out every little thing about you. They will prey on every insecurity. And by Wednesday, you'll be wondering, why did I even come here. But in each and every one of those situations, the reason you're there is because it was God who called you to do it. And you understand inconvenient assignments are divine appointments. And my job is just to say yes. And this is exactly what we see in in Ananias's story, right? So, So he offers his objection to the Lord. And the Lord comes back and he tells him, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And maybe that's the one line that gets Ananias to be like, okay, I'll do it. If he's going to suffer a little, I'll go. Like I, you know, if it was just going to be healing in the Holy Spirit, I don't know. Like it just, sometimes you see yourself in the scriptures, right? Of Okay, all right, he's going to get it, he's going to know. But, but what we want to understand this morning, especially from Ananias' story, is God is reminding him, hey, this assignment is bigger than you, it's bigger than your fears, it's bigger than your objections, and it's bigger than Saul. He tells him, this man is my chosen instrument. I, I, love, I love that picture that's created of Saul as an instrument. Saul is one who will be played by the Lord to achieve his purposes. 
And so really what the Lord is telling Ananias is, I need you to go so Saul can be completely surrendered into my hands to be used according to my direction and to achieve this song that's going to spread the grace of Jesus to the Gentile world. Right? The, the calling on Saul's life, it's, it's so much more than the healing of his eyes. It's so much more even than his own conversion. You and I sit here today because of the calling that was on Saul's life. We are the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people who received the good news of Jesus. And it has taken root and it has flourished for century after century after century. And so every single person that is from a non-Jewish background that we baptize at Christian chapel is the harvest of Saul's calling and the fruit of Ananias' obedience. And it's a reminder to us today that, that everything God achieves in my life, everything God achieves in your life is connected to someone else's obedience. We were all someone else's inconvenient assignment. Right? And you think of the heroes of the faith. You think of them in scripture, you think of them throughout church history, you think of the men and women that you look up to, that you admire, who tell stories of how God used them, how he built his kingdom through them, and what you'll find is this recurring theme of they said yes to inconvenient assignments. And as they said yes, they learned over and over and over again that when they said yes and they stepped into it, God began to achieve his purposes and to build his kingdom. And so the next time they heard an inconvenient assignment, the next time they were invited into something that didn't fit their schedule, they said yes again. And as they said yes over and over and over again, they saw God's kingdom established in their life. And, and ideally what is supposed to happen in the kingdom is we're supposed to stop and recognize my life is the result of other people embracing me as their inconvenient assignment. It wasn't always easy for the people who discipled me or the people who discipled you. There is a long list of both people you remember and people you've forgotten who faithfully served and said yes to Jesus so that you are where you are today. There are pastors and there are church leaders. There are Sunday school teachers and nursery workers. Right, there, there's a, I mean, just think of a nursery worker. There is this, this wonderful cloud of witnesses that none of us remember who worked in the nurseries when we were babies, if we were in church. And they were not only providing a loving environment for us, they were providing an escape for our mothers of, dear Jesus, just give me an hour. Just take it, like, not the firstborns, because they all loved you more, but the rest of us who came after our oldest sibling, who were thrust into the nursery at two days old, right? Who were just like, he's breathing, will you take him? Uh, like, if he cries, it's fine, he'll work it out, you know? There's just this army of ladies, this army of women who cared for us, who loved us. There were these teachers in preschool churches that we'll never remember, places we'll never visit again. Youth leaders, youth pastors, coaches, teachers, college professors, the friends of your parents, friends of other friends, people who made an investment in you. And one of the, the lies that we're tempted to believe is, yeah, but I never inconvenienced anyone. I was the blessing from the Lord to them. Like, I, I was. I'm pretty sure they thank God that they got to hold me in the nursery. Changing my diaper was the highlight of their week. Being my junior high D, D group leader, like that was, that was a higher moment of success than anything that man had experienced in his life. Where would they rather be than with me on a Sunday night 
Where would they rather be than with me at a youth group camp or all-nighter? Of course they want it. But again, I think we're all mature enough to understand we were the inconvenient assignment. We are the product of someone else's obedience. And so when God gives us an inconvenient assignment today, we just continue to say yes. And again, there, there are so many reasons not to. I, I know many of you are very successful and you have an extremely demanding schedule, and you have said yes to more things than you know what to do with. And so when the Lord comes and begins to speak and says, hey, there's this other coworker I want you to invest in, you're thinking, how could I possibly have the time? When the Lord says, there's this client, and I want you to make a little extra time on that call just to talk to them about their life, you're thinking, I I can't possibly get it done. Inconvenient assignments will require some inconvenience on our part. You might have to show up to work a little early or stay a little late to get your stuff done so you have more time to invest in them. I think of of my wife Angie, when we came to Christian Chapel, we were youth pastors and and responsible for 7th through 12th graders. And and a couple years into that, we had three kids under four years old in, in our house. And it would have been so easy for Angie to use our kids as an excuse for why she couldn't be anywhere or do anything. Because we believed, man, we believed in early bedtimes. And we practiced it, and we, were, and we believed in scheduled naps, and it made our life easier. And yet every Sunday night and every Wednesday night, our kids' schedules got blown to hell so we could try to introduce kids to Jesus. And it was just this juxt- It's not a cuss word if it's in context. Okay? Just saw the look. My mom's here. I'm going to just look over here for a while. But it's just that idea of like, it would have been easy, right? And I know many of our young moms today, you're in the same boat of like, God gave me these babies, they got to sleep. I know they do. I know they do, and they will. And we figured it out, and we worked through it. And by we, I mean Angie. (laughs) She nailed it. She did a great job. There were longer naps on Mondays. There were earlier bedtimes following every Sunday. There were longer naps on Thursdays. There were just some grumpy kids sometimes. But also at Christian Chapel now, there's a generation of young adults who've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, who walk in deep relationships with community, who experience God working in missions trips and camps, because not just Angie, but there are so many others who are willing to serve and to invest, and those stories are continuing today, and those stories have happened in our lives. It will not always be convenient when God calls you to do something, but when you begin to believe that he's the one writing all of our stories and weaving them all together, you're going to start to understand that inconvenient assignment is a divine appointment. And I get to show up in the spaces where God is always working. And I get to be another voice. I get to be another point of encouragement. I get to be another consistent presence in their life pointing them to Jesus. And so for Ananias, he he models this kind of obedience. He offers his objection. He receives God's direct and clear answer of, you better get over there because he's already waiting. And he's waiting for you. And so Ananias goes, he shows up, and, and I love how he just gets right to the point. It says, Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. 
The last thing we see in Ananias' story is you have to be bold in your inconvenient assignments. When Ananias shows up at Saul's house, there's no hesitation. He doesn't gently knock on the door and say, Saul, are you sure you're done killing Christians? Saul, are you, did you really, is this the right, I'm Ananias, is this the right Saul? Is this the right house of Judas on Straight Street? I mean, all the things that, that maybe we would have been tempted to do to try to confirm, to try to know. He just, he shows up. And, and the picture is of no formalities. The picture is that Ananias walks in the house, walks directly to Saul, puts his hands on him and says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus has sent me so that you will receive your sight and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now let's pray. And he just gets straight to the point. And it's a reminder to us when we embrace our inconvenient assignments, when we walk into those spaces. It might be ministries at Christian Chapel. It might be opportunities in the community. It might be interactions with a neighbor or with a coworker. When you walk into those places, you are not there just to be another friend. You are not there just to be another teacher. You are not there just to provide an element of childcare or physical assistance. You are there as the messenger of God in the power of the Holy Spirit for that person in that moment. So you're gonna boldly speak the things that God has called you to speak. You're not gonna beat around the bush. You're not gonna hem and haul. You're not gonna shuffle your feet or look at the floor. You're gonna walk right in. You're gonna say, I'm here to tell you about Jesus. I'm here to assure you he has heard your cry and he knows your name. I am here to tell you he has seen your need and he has a plan to meet it. You are there to pray. You are there to welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. You are there to point people to Jesus not to get them to attend your church, not to get them to agree with your beliefs, but to provide an opportunity for their life to be changed by the living God. And when you do it, God works in amazing ways. Scales fall from Saul's eyes. He's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He's baptized in water. He is never the same again. This is gonna be one of our last interactions with Saul in Acts because from now on, he's gonna be called Paul. He's gonna be the missionary, the, the evangelist, the Bible teacher, the church planter, the tormentor of the enemy in every place that God sends him to. And it all happens because Ananias said yes, because Ananias walked in obedience. Now Ananias, his story in the book of Acts is, is mostly done. We're not really going to hear from him again. We don't know what he does for the rest of his life, but we know when God gave him an assignment, he was obedient and it was done. And that's our job as well. It's not our job to be known. It's not our job to be famous. It's not our job to be remembered. It's our job to perform the inconvenient assignments that God gives to us, to let him use them for his glory and continue to write his story in the lives of others and around the world. And as he does, and as we do, the kingdom is established. God's path moves forward in the lives of every individual. And then they begin to get their own inconvenient assignments. And they begin to say yes to Jesus. And they begin to experience the joy of knowing my obedience resulted in someone else's life. My obedience created an opportunity for someone else to say yes my willingness to lay down my schedule, my willingness to make space for just one more thing became the moment that changed someone else's life and the, the, the path of a family for maybe generations on end. 
your yes to Jesus always resounds in ways that you cannot hear and cannot see. It always goes farther and faster than you will ever know. Because when you say yes, you're participating in his kingdom. When you say yes, you're moving with his spirit. When you say yes, you're walking into the places he's already prepared. And when you say yes, it creates moments and spaces and opportunities for others to say yes and to begin their journey with him as well. We stand with me so I can pray for us. Jesus, we come to you today, and first of all, Lord, we recognize that we have a relationship with you because we were your inconvenient assignment. You were willing to lay down your power and authority, your majesty and glory, to be made like us so that we could become your sons and your daughters. So Jesus, today we recognize that the inconvenience of your life and death, the inconvenience of your suffering and the grave is how we have access to forgiveness and new life today. So we thank you for it. We want to receive it and walk in it. Jesus, I pray for anyone who's in the room with us or online. Will you help them, Lord, to know that they belong to you, that they have been created to be your son or to be your daughter. That you know their name, you know their situation, you know the sin that they struggle with and the shame that they carry. And today, Lord, you are speaking words of life and hope. You're inviting them into an experience of confession and repentance where they receive complete and total forgiveness and are made new. Where the old is gone and the new is come. So Lord, today we pray if, if there is anyone with us that they would begin that journey with you. That their first yes would be to your Lordship and to you as their Savior. And Lord, for those of us who said yes to you, we come today asking that you would help us to listen for your voice and to embrace every assignment you give to us. We lay down our desires for control. We lay down our desires for convenience. We repent of our laziness and of our self-idolatry. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us, that you would lead us and guide us and give us opportunities to participate in the assignments and places and people where you are already working. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege we get to come and be part of your presence, to speak your words and to lead others into new life. Help us, Lord to be those who are quick to say yes and quick to walk the path you're laying before us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.